Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Three, two, one. <laughs> Welcome to the Talentworks Podcast. I'm Shukri. I'm Katrina. And I'm Helen. BBC Studios is the production part of the BBC Group. So we're not public service. What we do at BBC Studios is we invest in and we produce amazing shows, both for the UK and globally. We make some shows for the BBC, but we also make them for the market, like Netflix, Channel 4, Spotify, Audible. These include Blue Planet, Pressed, Killing Eve, Strictly Come Dancing, I May Destroy You, Doctor Who, Top Gear. BBC Studios Talentworks are a small but mighty development team within BBC Studios. We work cross-genre and cross-platform. We specifically work with emerging talent, so we look to places like Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, people who are writing blogs, maybe people who've got podcasts already, who are storytellers and looking to partner with BBC Studios to tell bigger, bolder stories. In short, we play Cupid for talent and industry. And this podcast is about giving the floor to some of those talented creators. True to form, our guests are going to lead the way. They are going to be telling us about three pieces of work that have defined their careers so far. So who have we got today? Helen here. It's March 2023 and today I'm joined by Joe Sugg. So I take ideas sometimes from like really, really old TV shows and just try and reinvent them for like a new digital audience, which... I thought they would go, oh, this is from this TV show, but they didn't. It was, like, completely new to them. Joe is a UK-based creative leader, YouTube content creator, actor and author. Joe started his online career over 10 years ago after making his first YouTube video. He's since built a loyal audience of over 20 million across his various YouTube channels and social media accounts. In 2018, Joe was a finalist on one of the UK's biggest shows, BBC's Strictly Come Dancing. He then made his West End acting debut a year later. In recent years, Joe has moved into creative leadership after setting up his own talent management agency, MVE. In 2022, he also started the production company Final Straw Productions. We'll hear more about that later. So today, with Joe, we're going to discuss, first of all, Joe's first steps on YouTube and how he has seen the digital space evolve. Next, how he broke into mainstream TV with his appearance on Strictly Come Dancing. And finally, how Joe is creating his own path in the entertainment industry with his production company, Final Straw Productions. Welcome to the Talentworks podcast, Joe. Thank you for having me, Helen. Hey, no problem. We go way back, don't we? We do. To when? 2015? 2014? Uh, God, when did we first meet? Yeah, it must have been 2014 or 15. We're coming up to our 10-year anniversary of meeting. Oh, my word. I know. How nice. You've not aged a day. Thank you, Joe. Even thank this you. podcast. Thank you. I want the listeners at home to know you've not aged a day. Thank you, Joe. Neither of you. <laughs> um, Joe, how did we first meet? We met because BBC Worldwide... Well, it's now, now called BBC Studios. Studios yeah, at the so time back B- then, it was BBC Worldwide. Um, they had an opportunity uh, and a crew ready to go for an idea... 
And then it was yourself and Paul Hembury. You were the two that sort of approached us, me, I say us, me and uh, my roommate at the time, Casper Lee, who was also a YouTuber, and said, look, if you've got any, like, we'd love to work with you on something, which was, looking back on it now, is very forward thinking and ahead of the time for BBC Studios, back then worldwide. So we came up with this sort of format idea of like a road trip travel series that actually went straight to DVD. This is back in the time of DVDs were still a thing. And it was it was an absolute hit with the, with a the young demographic that, that we had at the time. It was massive. We had our own Leicester Square premiere for it. Um, it was all stuff that we never thought that we'd ever achieve in our careers. And I'm sure as well, probably on your side of things as well, you never thought that you'd make something like that with YouTubers and sort of see the sort of results that it did, I guess. Um, and then off the back of that, we made another one in America called Joe and Casper Hit the Road USA, which is still available on DVD, I'm sure. A little plug there. <laughs> but yeah, so so that's that's how we first met. That kind of has now led to, to, to where I am now. So I owe my career... A lot of my career to, to you, Helen. No, nah, no, you don't. <laughs> come on, come on. I think what was great about Hit the Road is it happened quite quickly. Yes. So I know in April we were approached by the business to come up with ideas. We shot it in the summer. It came out in, I can't remember, October or November. Mm-hmm. And we did the tour to Australia and New Zealand yes. in that November. So it's yeah. like at the beginning of the year, we didn't know it was happening. And mm-hmm. by the end, we were showcasing it to Australia. It was a very quick turnaround, yes. wasn't it? It was very, I think for us as well, like we... Before that, we never really sort of thought of that it was even possible to sort of go from what we did to being on television. There was, there was, I think around that time, there was times where TV shows were dipping into YouTubers, as in like getting YouTube talent and putting them as a panelist on a show or as a one-off on a show, which didn't seem to, I don't think anyway, didn't seem to work and translate. But there was something about this, I think it was a real sort of... Uh, unique time and it and it showed that it can be done traditional and online can work together to make something very very popular absolutely right we could go down memory lane for ages about uh fun times on hit road and hit road usa but what coming back to yourself how would you summarize your creative career today how would you describe yourself to somebody who hadn't heard of you i would say very creative like i'm a creative person i'm an ideas first kind of person i love coming up with new ideas um, I've always tried to be emphasis on try to be a trend setter rather than a trend follower I like to come up with new sort of fresh ideas I would say entrepreneurial I'm doing like the air quote marks because it's it still feels quite like weird to say but I guess you know I, I do run companies and in this sort of space so I would say yeah but it's not something that I ever thought I would do I've, I came from a very small village. I was going to be a roof thatcher. That was going to be my life career for until I'm like 70. Um, so I kind of like stumbled upon it accidentally. But also the seed had been planted from an early age. So I've always sort of loved coming up with ideas to film on like the, our parents' camcorders and stuff. So it's kind of like we've been, me, I say we, like me and my sister as well, because she's in the same industry. We've both always had that sort of, we love to create stuff for an audience be that our friends or parents or whatever so it kind of makes sense but also I still always have moments where I don't quite know how I ended up here (laughs) (laughs) well what we're going to do is go back to the beginning so in every episode we get our guests to choose three defining moments of their career your first one tell us about it 
So my first one is uh, one of my first ever YouTube videos. It was called 25 Facts About Me. I made this video in 2013 and I just know this is going to be very, very cringe watching it back. So without further ado, here are 25 facts about my life. I am very overprotective over snails. Now, I don't know why, I, I used to have them as pets. The worst thing for me, walking along the path at night and hearing the crunch of you stepping on a snail, that literally, it, it breaks my heart. I just, I just love snails. Snails and penguins. I started a game with my friends where we take the most vile photographs of our faces and send them to each other for no apparent reason. So he just opens up like, whoa, weirdo. I'm 21 years old and I still run up the stairs because in the back of my mind, I still feel like someone's chasing me, even though there's no one chasing me. And do you still run up the stairs? I think I've gone very red. No, do you know what? I still do that. Yeah. It's so weird how watching that back and seeing my accents kind of yes. lost a bit of the West Country you accent. Have. It's, it's very cringy to watch that back. Do like, you feel proud of yourself? Yeah, I am proud because I think that back then as well, I would have felt awkward filming that because I, my friends around this point, they they didn't know, really know. And I was always, I was always worried about what my friends would think of me making videos like that because they know me personally and they'd be a bit like, we kind of expect it, but also like, what? It was very like, you're putting yourself out there to all those the people you don't know but also the people that you do know as well i used to worry a lot about what they what my friends would think and sort of judge judges i guess what made you keep doing it um i think the fact that the response i got from the comments a vast majority of the comments actually were really positive and they they enjoyed the content so even though like i'm cringing at that now th there's relatability in there i can see it. it's like they're thinking about running up the stairs like there's so many people out there who probably do the same thing or did do the same thing. They've probably grown out of it now. Just me that hasn't. But I think it, they were quite like relatable videos. It was very like it was it was our real selves as well. It's like a, I guess like a heightened version of trying to entertain people, but it was just us being us. And did you have a pinch me moment early doors when you felt like oh this is all right, this is getting successful? There's been a lot. I think obviously hitting certain milestones like when I hit my first million subscribers. I was still working as a Thatcher then as well. At that point, I still hadn't gone full time. Yeah, it was stuff that I'd never thought I'd experience. So yeah, I mean, even now to this day, I still have like pinch me moments. I've just sort of always sort of been like, right, I'll ride this wave yeah. as long as I can until it's sort of, I have to go back to thatching. And it's just <laughs> 10 years later, it's still not happened yet. So it's, uh, so I'm just sort of, uh, yeah, very grateful. And where did you find your inspiration from early doors for your videos? Inspiration actually came from, um, my peer, like peers like online and stuff so through my sister Alfie Marcus Jim Casper like those those kind of guys uh, Jack's Gap you know a lot of those kind of early creators on that scene they gave me inspiration in terms of like how to edit because at this point as well I didn't know how to edit I didn't have my own laptop even I used to borrow my sister's laptop to make a lot of my stuff so they initially inspired me but then I had this thing of like okay how can I bring new stuff to the platform because I'd, I'd sort of shared myself and my life but I was like I, I, this is when challenge videos started to become a thing and this is where I was like actually this kind of fits with what I grew up with so I grew up love watching television um, and my dad was a massive influence on the shows that I watched things like I used to watch things like shooting stars whose line is it anyway like shows like that where they'd have funny little games and stuff so I took a lot of inspiration from that and like and just sort of like parlor games that you sort of learn as kids growing up so I take ideas 
sometimes from like really really old tv shows um, and just try and reinvent them for like a new sort of digital audience which i thought they would go oh this is from this tv show but they didn't they were like it was like completely new to them and completely blew their mind and this was back in a, a time where youtube tags were were the thing so like if you came up with a good original idea because there wasn't that many ideas floating around on youtube back then and the bar wasn't set massively high people would it was okay for people to go oh i've got this idea from joe suggs channel so we're doing this tag today or this tag and they tag other people so there's a lot of ideas i was quite lucky in that time where i came up with a few ideas that became big and went global which for me was the best feeling of having an idea even though it ends up going like a, a, a classic example was i started this um thing called youtuber whispers which was essentially uh i saw it from a old tv show in the 80s and they call it like telephone where it's like you pass on the message but you can't hear very through speakers or headphones or whatever and um it ended up going all through the uk all through the us and then it ended up going on the jimmy fallon show and they'd say oh we found this this uh, they call it the whisper challenge and they found it on youtube and i was like that's that's youtube whispers that's what i started um as a youtube tag Although there was a part, there was a very small part of me being like, oh, I didn't get credited. But actually, one is an idea that I took from old TV anyway and just sort of changed it slightly for YouTube. But then also, I was so happy that an idea that I had went bigger than just me, if that makes sense. So I've kind of, I've always kind of now started to chase that of like making stuff that goes beyond. Because you also got picked up by mainstream, more mainstream media early doors as well with your Casper content, the flatmate yeah. content, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. So we, when I, I so I met Casper and we ended up moving in together and became roommates and we started, I think that's actually like a, a real turning point of our YouTube careers as well. Like, so there was the the challenge sort of challenges that we used to do, but then also the roommate content did so, so well. So like, I, th- I think especially the pranks that we did. So a big part of, I guess, our sort of rise on YouTube was we had like an ongoing prank war, roommate prank war. Um, and once again, it was like that the the way YouTube was back then, it was, there was so many ideas that just weren't around back then. Like now it's so like every idea has sort of been done, done to death, but like, but back then it was like it was all still fresh and new and it wasn't on that platform so it was very easily like shareable and really helped grow an audience back then um so that was a that was a t- i remember actually i did a i remember doing a prank actually you remember this i did a prank video one morning on casper and then after the prank we got into a car and went up to liverpool to bbc showcase yeah because we were there for hit the road so yeah hit the road yeah 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 and um uploaded it that night and the next morning, I checked the views and I showed you, and it was it overnight. It was on like 1.2 million views. Was it the the water? Yeah, so I put loads oh, of cups remember. of water yeah, yeah. in Cass's bathroom and loads of mouse traps in his bathroom yeah. and put something. What do you need? I think his phone was on like at the other end of the bathroom, so he had to go past all the mouse traps and water to get to his phone. I was very when I look back, it was very um, it's quite evil. But yeah, that I remember that was like a, I remember showing you guys being like, oh, my video's done really, really well, and it was like 1.2 million views, like in, in like six hours or something overnight, which is just that I feel like that was a sort of pinnacle of that kind of era of our sort of like prank war yeah. sort of career era. And how have you seen YouTube and the content space evolve since you started? It's become 
much more professional in a way like even though what we were doing back then felt very professional and like even though we were we were basically hanging out as friends for a living and just having the time of our lives and filming it and documenting it um it was still very professional like underneath all that and we were very driven and we were very sort of like it was very work hard play hard kind of attitude whereas now it's become it's become much more I say like proper professional, like a lot more industries have come into it and using it. Because I remember the day when BBC got its first YouTube channel up and like you know, all these big American talk shows started using the platform. So it's there's now more of like a, a rule book now on how to make content. Like you hear a lot more now about like the algorithm. Like back when we started and we were making our stuff, we didn't know what an algorithm was. We, there wasn't, I don't think they even think there was an algorithm back then. So now it's much more sort of commanded by stuff like that. There's more of like a series of practice of what you can do to make your stuff stand out now in a world where it's harder to stand out. Nowadays, for example, it's all about retention and click-through rate rather than like, it doesn't really matter now what your subscriber count is. It's more about like how many people are clicking through on your video. In a, now when you open up YouTube, you get your explore page. Back then, you used to get sub the sub box Whereas now you go to the explore page and it's tailored to show you what you want. Um, so you've got to make sure that your content stands out. So thumbnail, title are so important because you want to get that good click-through rate. But then also once they're clicked on your video, you want to now give them the hook right at the top, get them involved, sucked in that first sort of 30 seconds, no more than that because otherwise you're it's dragging on for too long and then you've got to keep them there as long as possible. So it's, there's much more of like a regimented yeah, way of doing things yeah and like analytics now and the back end of youtube is just it's, it's so vast there's so many things you can look into which is so so cool i love the fact that you can look in so much data which you never really got to at the start of youtube when we started so it's much more of like a a beast established now. yes yeah 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 right so let's move on to your next clip the most significant moment in your career What's this one? Yeah, so my next clip uh, is actually when I took part in BBC Strictly Come Dancing in 2018. And this was us at Blackpool performing our quick step. Great, let's have a listen. Dancing the quick step, Joe Sugg and Diane Buswell. Ladies and gentlemen, it's quick step time here at the Blackpool Tower. How does it feel hearing that back? Do you know what? It brings back a lot of good memories. Um, it was when I got my first tens on the show. So it, was, it was a real sort of turning point, I feel like. Um, so it's such a significant time for me. I, I, Looking back at the start of that, I didn't even know if I would do Strictly as a show. I didn't At the start, I didn't even know if I'd do it. I remember going in for the meeting and I thought, I'll, I'll do the meeting because I wanted to meet Louise Rainbow, who's the exec at the time, uh, and Steph, who was the talent exec. Because I wanted to sort of, I actually wanted to pick Louise's brain about like how a show like Strictly is run. Because I was interested at this point, this is obviously past Hit the Road days. And I was still interested in production, the idea of a production company. And I was like, I want to know how the big shows are, are made, how it's all done. And then they were very persuasive. And I left being like, oh no, have I just signed up to what do the show? What are their top persuasion tips? Take you for a very nice cup of tea, a very swanky hotel tea room place and that was Soho yeah and it was very yeah and I was like oh but they're just but also they're just super lovely like very my experience on that show is 
and, I, and still now because I do the podcast for it, is like whenever you walk in there, nobody forgets you. It really, it, I mean, that's that cliche of like, it's like a family, but it really is like a family up there. They really do all love each other. It was a really, really great experience. But there was a time where I was like, I don't know if I'm going to do it. I had to ask my friends back home I went to school with. They're like my sort of, not litmus test, what's like the sort yeah, of my yeah, like, like your sort of benchmark. Test, yeah, testing out ideas with them because they'll tell me straight whether they think it's a good idea or not. And they were like, oh, we'll definitely rip it out of you, like especially with the outfits and stuff. But you've got to do it because one, it's hilarious for us, but also like what an opportunity. Yeah. So, so I did it. I took the plunge and then um, luckily it, it paid off. It was such an amazing experience. I got to the final. I do feel like it sort of now really did open up that sort of next chapter of not only my life, but also like my career as well. Well, you were the first sort of digital talent person that had been on Strictly. Yes, exactly. And I, th- and I do think actually going back to the Hit the Road days as well, of that kind of initial experience with like a traditional TV crew and TV company, that definitely helped as well of my understanding of it. Because if you're going on to it as a digital talent, you're going in a, from a place where you have all the control. Like on my YouTube channel, I think of the ideas, I film it, I edit it, I distribute it, I market it all myself or I get people in that I trust to do that for me whereas on TV you don't know how you're going to be portrayed you don't know what's going to make the edit on like the VTs and stuff like you don't know how you'll be perceived by a a general public who are interested more in TV than digital as well I think especially the time I did it there hadn't been a digital creator on Strictly no, it was thanks to Strictly that my Auntie Barbara in Rochdale knew who you were exactly. or knew what I'd been doing Shout for, the out past, Auntie Barbara. For, for the past three years. <laughs> it's like that sort of mainstream appeal, isn't it? Yeah. You're then just in conversations that you weren't in previously. It, exactly. exactly. And it, and it works, works both ways, I think, because obviously it's, it was great for, I, I do think it was great for Strictly. I think they sort of took that risk and it paid off for them. I think it was a good idea to, to get someone like me on like someone from the digital space because now you've seen it happen a lot more now in future and but also it's paid off for me as well because I've got to branch off at a time where actually you know in in 2017 I was very much like I've been doing this for quite a while now and it for me it's feeling quite I need to sort of switch something up or I want to try something new and test myself in another area so it, it happened at the perfect time and it's meant that now I'm in a position where I still love youtube and like my my digital side of things but also i really also enjoy tv because that's what i grew up on that's something that i'm passionate about and something that i want to be involved with going ahead in the future and i think especially sort of helping to form what the future of tv is like knowing what i've learned from the digital space as well big time and can you still do the dance do you know what i reckon i could every now and then actually even yesterday i got home from work and whenever i see diane in the kitchen we do we are quite literally that mcfly lyric dancing on the kitchen tiles we do dance on the kitchen tiles always ballroom though never latin because that was a struggle for me the latin (laughs) how good are you now do you know what i think i've still got it the confidence is there like I, i would never now shy away from the thing is though like if you're choreographed that when I'm like told what to do, I can follow instructions very well and follow like rules. So if there's rules set out and there's instructions, I love it. Whereas if it's like a, a wedding, it's like every wedding I went to post strictly, everyone was just like, I could feel eyeballs burning me being like, go on, Joe, you're the dancer. Go on, show us some moves. I'm like, well, I, one, Diane's I not freestyle. here. <laughs> yeah. And two, like I, I can't freestyle. I'm still that awkward two-stepper until... I've been choreographed how to do something. And was it Diane that gave you that confidence? I think so, yeah. Definitely Diane gave me the confidence, but also just just the experience as well. I think definitely helped my confidence because then after that, I then went into the West End to 
play Ogie and Waitress. And if you'd have told me in 2017 that I'd be on a West End stage singing in front of people that were there to see a, uh, like a show, not just me. Because at 2017, I was used to going out in front of like big crowds of screaming 16-year-olds, um, but not going out on stage in front of people that had paid good money to come and see like a proper West End show. I would have never believed that in a million years. So, and I wouldn't have done that if I hadn't have experienced what I experienced on Strictly. Great. So let's fast forward into the present. What's your third clip? The one that best represents you and your success at this moment. So the third clip is actually me launching uh, my production company, Final Straw Productions, which we launched last August back in 2022. So we're still a very new company, um, but we're yeah a production company making fact and entertainment formats. Uh, so Final Straw Productions is a production company that I set up uh, to bring those ideas to life. I'm from the digital space uh, mainly. Um, I've had a little crossover into TV as well, but uh, it's time to merge that all together and make something beautiful. Final Straw Productions is innovative. Innovative, which I'm very proud that I managed to say that in one go without getting it wrong. Uplifting. We want people to walk away from our shows um, feeling uplifted about the world. Original. There's not a production company like this. Great. And how did this opportunity come about? I started a production company about two years ago and I was looking for a creative partner. And so met with a few, but it turns out BBC Studios were, were, the, were the one. They were the right fit. So you're working with development exec, Sasha. Yes. What have you learned about development from Sasha? So, I've, do you know what, I've, it's, it's been a real blend of worlds. So Sasha, um, he's been in TV for like 15 years he knows an awful lot about television, which I've been learning from him and about just the process of like what I used to, because before I remember I used to, I used to come to you sometimes and pitch you ideas being like, what do you think of this, Helen? Like this kind of idea. And I look at those ideas now and think it makes sense to come from like a young YouTuber, Joe, but actually like learning what I've learned from Sasha in like the TV world, there's so much more that has to be done. There's so many more like check boxes to tick. So it fits with TV perhaps or but now even like internet as well like online platforms you know you've got to have like the idea of creating formats there's so much more to it than I initially thought and it's got to follow a series of rules and you've got to sort of think of all different ends and like the idea of like developing shows as well it's all well and good coming up with like a, a catchy title or a good top line but when you actually get into the nitty-gritty of it and try and work out you come into so many like dead ends and it's like a maze of trying to find a show idea that actually when you play it out it does work and not only does it work but it's also entertaining and makes people want to come back and watch it again and again and again it's like what you said to at the beginning about it being you have to think of the full story at the beginning it's like you have to think okay if it's a game show and this doesn't work well then what happens does that the show end yeah whereas with a youtube video fine the youtube video can be shorter yeah but if you've still got half an hour to fill exactly, it's like yeah. right well where are we going yes. if that happens and you're so right like early early doors which rightly so you were coming up with loads of ideas but some of the ideas would be three minutes long yeah, potentially exactly which is great for youtube back then because videos were like three to five minutes long sometimes so but in a way it kind of lends up there's, there's a lot of ideas that we're working on where it kind of almost spawns from a a YouTube concept or like a something that'd be great for YouTubers. They're like, okay, right. How do we, is there a way of taking this and, and like super scaling it and making it bigger to fill like an hour slot um, for like a BBC one or a channel four or whoever, but still stays entertaining the whole way through and sort of takes sort of the best of like what I've learned over the last decade on YouTube and also takes 
what Sasha knows from TV and sort of we want to kind of as a company sit in that sort of central bit of a Venn diagram of YouTube and traditional like sort of like online social and traditional television linear stuff so that's our sort of mission and that's what we're sort of sticking to and making sure we're we're going to stay there but it's super exciting because I do feel like we're sort of here at the right time I feel like we are on a time where where there are like so many options it feels like the right time to sort of be there with like, with what we want to achieve with the company. And I think it feels like the right time for you and your career. Yes. In terms of, you know, if this had been an opportunity five years ago, you might not have quite had, I don't mean maturity, but I just mean the knowledge. Like you said, a lot of this is just knowing what else is in the market yeah. and what are other players doing and why now is the perfect time for you to be yeah. going on this endeavour. Yeah, definitely. And I think as well, like back then, if I had done this sort of hit the road era, I think I would have, I was still very much like full-time smashing out YouTube as well, which would have been harder for me to understand fully like the way formats work on TV and sort of take, like you said, take on all that knowledge. I think it would have been too much back then. Whereas now I feel like I'm in a place where I can sort of go into it with a almost like a smarter, more mature brain. I think also with Final Store, they're not all ideas for you. Whereas like five years eight years ago you were constantly having to come up with ideas specifically for you and your channel whereas for final straw some of them might have you included some of them might not but they would still have your brain behind them that's the thing i I always i did start to realize that i'm not always going to stay young and fresh-faced forever my audience are going to grow older and you you naturally as well as you get older you want to make content that you still love so i still do that i still make like vlogs about what i get up to on a daily basis and things like that but i you're you're right yeah i think now it's like with final straw it's not making like passion projects for myself like in terms of like joe sug this joe sug that i now want to be more sort of behind the camera coming up with ideas that go way beyond me as like talent once again like air quote marks I always have this like big goal of us coming up with like a really like glo- like a global hit show and people going like, did you know that yeah. it's actually YouTuber Joe Sugg who was like behind this, that kind of thing. That's always been like a goal for me is that unless you sort of watch the credits at the end, which a lot of people don't really do anyway, but unless you watch the credits, you wouldn't necessarily know that it was an idea of mine that's done it. That's always been the sort of goal, I feel like. I think with the DNA of Final Store, it is all of, still about like fact and entertainment, uplifting content. Yeah. Like that is definitely your sort of heartland in yes. terms of what you've been creating previously and what you'll create now. Yeah. What are your top secrets for creating, entertaining and uplifting content? I've always lived by the three C's, I call it. So uh, it's uh, collaboration. I think collaboration is super key. Even now with what I'm doing now, a big part of it is talking to talent, like the the new generation of talent, but also established talent and just sort of finding out if there's any ways which you can work together. I think I've I've always been quite shy around new people and like a little bit, it's really weird because I would class myself as a bit of an introvert, but I've, for the last decade, I've lived a very extroverted career uh, down that sort of lifestyle, which is really weird but it's definitely helped me like we said before with confidence but one thing that I wish I was better at was networking and meeting people and not overthinking it and worrying that they're going to think I'm trying to get some gain something from them and take something away from them and things like that but I'm really starting to enjoy meeting new talent now and and hopefully making stuff that can be for them and and attach themselves to and, and sort of help them go through 
their own sort of Joe and Casper hit the road moment in a way of like what that looks like now, like a that kind of thing now for the new generation of talent. That's where I want to sort of position myself. So collaboration, I think, is key. That's part of why we got so successful is because we were all in this, the same situation, all bouncing off each other, um, creating content together. It definitely helps work-wise, but also like mentally going through something like, like what we went through. It definitely helps to have people around you who are going through the same thing. The other one was consistency. Like nowadays, more than ever, I'm, I'm guilty of this with my own YouTube and social media is that I don't post enough. Like back in the old days, you could get away with it a bit more. But like now you've got to be very consistent. You've got to treat it. If you're going to be going to social media or going to, or creating anything, you've got to be quite regimented with it and you've got to treat it like a a job. It's, it may be a hobby. It may feel like a hobby, but you've got to see it as a as a serious job and and be consistent with it. And stick with it as well. I think especially in terms of YouTube, if you're if you're starting from scratch, your first however many videos, they're not going to instantly take off. It just doesn't work like that anymore. You've got to build up slowly. But when people finally start to, you know, if you stick at it and you're true to it, people will gradually start to pick it up and they've then got a whole back catalogue of stuff to, to look through. And finally, creativity, which actually lends itself into the consistency as well because if you're making 100 videos and not, gaining traction or anything look also make sure that what you're making is good quality not not necessarily good quality in terms of like how it looks and like professionalism but more so in terms of like the idea of or what your subject matter is or what your channel's about i think if you've got to now stand out more than ever in a sea of creators all doing everything you've got to think okay what can i take from the people that i love watching and use that to turn into my own version of something that could go big. Um, so I always live by those three. Yes. Those three things. Absolutely. With the knowledge you have now, what advice would you give 21-year-old Joe at the start of his creative career? Um, well, first of all, I would say, like, don't... Because bear in mind, when I first started, I thought it'd last like a year and that'd be it. Then I'd go back to the day job. So I think I, think I would have told myself that it's going to last longer than you think, in a way, like enjoy it don't worry about having to go back to the day job kind of thing because it's going to be you know you're going to get at least 10 years out of it sort of go for it kind of thing so i i know i'd advice i'd give yeah what would you give i remember when we were in australia and it was like time of the mannequin challenge yeah and you were like um in an oring in the day of like oh i should do the mannequin challenge and then you came up with this idea of doing it um on stage yes so you like panda it started from like um maybe even from the green room yeah it, it did, went yeah. through the tech desk yes then to you on stage and then all the audience did it yeah but i remember you had this sort of half an hour of umming and ahhing about whether to ask to do it yeah and it was like actually that was amazing yeah so it's almost like oh back yourself yes you know what i mean that, like you know that's yeah you you had it you had this idea and actually it massively played off because the audience loved it yeah. the guy on the tech desk loved it yeah yeah like, I, I can see the video now yeah but it was just almost that like me mowing about it yeah i do you know what? i think it is that thing as well of like i i have this thing where and even now to this day it's, it's really frustrating where it's like i don't want to come across like i'm being like cheeky to ask whereas sometimes in this industry you kind of you have to be don't ask don't get absolutely so that is what i tell myself is like joe you need to have that don't ask don't get attitude if they say no doesn't matter 
does exactly. not matter. That is what I need. You're right. Yeah. And people love it. Yeah. People in the creative industries, people like to be challenged. Yes. And you know, those people that are like like that show, you know, we were pretty much doing the same show every yeah. night. So having something that's a bit different, yeah. they were immediately like, yeah. Like I even yeah, remember yeah. them, the guy that d- was doing the sound was like, we have to get the right music. Yeah. Like, get yeah. the music. And so yeah. we were like ripping the right music so that it would yeah. be in the audience. Um, do yeah. Know, do you know what it is as well? I think I, I have this thing as well where I go into talk about like kind of like this like what 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 I've what I've done over the last decade with YouTube and what I've, the knowledge that I've learned over the last 10 years I think I I would tell myself not to underplay it as well because the amount of times I go into uh podcasts or talks or things like that and people are there to listen about my experiences and what I've learned and yet I go in sometimes thinking I assume that they already know everything that I know because I always think, well, surely it's just common knowledge by now. But it's not. People genuinely do take stuff away. And people learn stuff all the time from from hearing other people's experiences, especially in like certain businesses and stuff. So, I mean, I certainly do when I, when I hear people talk about their businesses. And so I don't know if it's like a, a, a thing amongst other entrepreneurs or creators and stuff. But I have this thing where I just, I assume that everyone already knows everything that I know. <laughs> in, a, in like a kind of like a... You know, it's just stuff that I sort of learned. Like but everyone else well. has learned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's not. There's so many things out there they, they 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 don't they don't know that they still do pick up from you. So we knew you were coming on the show today, Joe. So we thought we'd ask our TalentWorks Instagram followers if they had any questions for you. So one person named Kim Winston says, "Who is your favourite co-host?" Ah, uh, that's a that's a that's a real difficult one. Um, no, do you know what? A funny story actually. So Kim, for those that don't know, is uh, is the my co-host of the Strictly Come Dancing podcast, uh, available on BBC Sounds. And uh, we actually, so Kim has been on Strictly for like forever, like 13 years or something. It was 14 years now, maybe even longer than that. And so I joined the podcast and we met there and then. And we we basically just met each other whilst doing the photo shoot for the podcast. And it was on the, the day of the launch show. And Kylie Minogue was performing, and it was all, everything was like pandemonium, sort of getting getting it all ready. And so it was kind of like a very awkward, like, "Hello, um, I'm Kim. Hello, I'm Joe." And then we had to just sort of do our first podcast together there and then after like minutes of meeting each other. And it's really funny now because if you look at the picture that's used for the podcast, that's the moment we met. Basically, that image. We do need to update that picture. Um, <laughs> Why no, do you think no, you look awkward? Even though we were holding the mics, it's very sort of like. <laughs> We're very new to podcasting type picture, so we do need to update that. But shout out to Kim. She's great. Great. Somebody asked, can you give us a little hint on your first project? Okay, so we've got a very fun dating show that we're working on, which visually is going to look wicked. We're trying to work at mechanics of how it's going to work. But when when it eventually sees where it's going to see, whether it be at TV or wherever it's going to go, um, I think it's going to be something that will be big. The next person asked, do you have any celeb role models? If so, who? Uh, celeb role models. I mean, in, in a way, I would say like my sort of like YouTube peers in a way. Like to me, they're they're friends. But I guess to a lot of people, they'd see them as celebrities and things like that. But I think especially like the the early days of YouTube, like they were so influential on like most of the decisions I made would be run past I'm very bad at making decisions. <laughs> yeah, that's but maybe some that's also advice one. Yeah, I'm very like, Yeah, I'm very like, uh, oh, I need everyone's opinion to make my own. But uh, I'd say like probably like my, all my friends that I met through YouTube and just sort of following their careers as well and seeing what they've gone on to do and the successes that they've had. I think especially like 
Casper, for example, going on to see that what he's done um, in terms of like his social media companies that he now runs and and the company we have together as well, um, he, he he inspires me a lot. One of our followers asked, "Do you prefer to be behind or in front of the camera?" If you asked me this question five years ago, I would say in front of camera. I think now behind camera for me it's a little bit more exciting a bit more freeing as well I think as well as I'm getting older I'm sort of doubting myself a little bit more in front of camera in a way I know that I if I need to perform I can perform like I almost feel like actually it's a tricky question because if it if it comes to like acting and I'm playing a character I love that but with for me with stuff like presenting a youtube idea or presenting something on tv that for me is a bit more feels a bit more out out my comfort zone a little bit as you get older maybe get a bit more like you you sort of treasure your privacy a bit more i I guess i don't know so i would say nowadays i like i like playing characters or being behind the camera like there's a few ideas we're working on where we've thought like is there a way in which I could like well I want to sort of be involved on camera and like actually do you know what I think the only way I'd do it is if I was playing a character in that show in a way um so so yeah great we ask every guest to look into the crystal ball of their future yep. what do you see for Joe I, I reckon I have pet goats yeah because I, I, I do think I have like a couple of pet pygmy goats called Beavis and Butthead nice uh, <laughs> um, in terms of like career, I'm doubling down on Final Straw Productions. Like, I really do feel like this will be my sort of forever thing in a way. Like I want this to be my sort of, you know, they say like entrepreneurs, they're like, they sort of love their companies more than their firstborn child. I, I, I don't know if I want that to happen, but I want it to be very, very close. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I want to, I want to be like, no, but I do, I, you know, I would love to sort of grow final straw to a point where we have like one or two really successful shows i would love to get a show that goes around the world and can be you know that i'd love the, the thought of like going to another country and turn on a tv in a hotel and be like oh it's, it's one of my one of my shows like i love that sort of thought and yeah i think just the main thing is to stay to stay working as hard as i can and to be as social as i can as well like i do i love collaborating with people I love hearing other people's stories about what they want to achieve and what they want to do. I think the experience that I had over the last decade, which really did feel like the sort of the top of the top in that kind of industry for a while, I love the idea of once you've sort of achieved that, I think it then you then have something within you where you want somebody else, you then get gratification from other people experiencing that and helping them experience it. I can see why people that are very successful in business tend to then do like uh take on like uh, become like mentors for other people because i think that's where you then get happiness from in in work so i want to get very very successful with more and more things throughout the future but more importantly like help other people become successful amazing thanks joe oh, thanks no, thank so you. much for chatting pleasure thanks for listening everyone if you're interested in knowing even more about joe you can find him on instagram at joe underscore sug you can find us at TalentWorks at BBC Studios TalentWorks. This has been a Curly Media production on behalf of BBC Studios. See you next time.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.